0: This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lapin. The helpline is open. Do you have a book in you? Not physically, of course. If you do have a book in you, please see a doctor. It sounds very dangerous. But, you know, it's a phrase that people use. I have a book in me. And what they mean is that they're carrying around some amount of information or insight or a story, and they want to get it out. And this is the reason why people come to me often and ask me this question, because I have written a book myself. And, uh, well, I, I just got a listener question, actually, just like this. Here it is. So my question is, I wrote a novel in one month during National Novel Writing Month, but it still needs work, and I don't know when I'll have another month to set aside to now edit this book that I've always wanted to write. What should I do? Okay, so what she is referring to is NaNoWriMo, which is not the sounds that a Star Wars bot makes. It is a National Novel Writing Month. It's this thing that lots of people participate in, and uh, it, it makes sense, um, in some way. Uh, but you hear the problem with this, as our listener just said, which is that she wrote this novel in a month. She like kind of blazed through it. But now, how am I actually supposed to do it again, revise it, make it better? We're not going to do this in a month. It doesn't matter if you have a novel or a business book idea or whatever. But if you've wanted to write a book, let's talk about how to do it for real, not in a crazy sprint, but just at the pace. Of success. Here's what I did to write my book. And just for context here, as you may know, I have a very busy full time job and I have two small children. So, not a lot of time to write a book. And yet, I did. I wrote a book. It took me nine months. And that book came out on a major publisher. It's called Build for Tomorrow. It is a book that helps people navigate the changing landscape of their careers. And it made me a nice amount of money. And a lot of people read it. And how did that happen? Here is how I'm going to offer you five things that I did that you can do that are going to help you write this book. Number one, you got to leverage yourself, which is to say, you have to know how you work, how your mind functions, and then build a structure around that. Here's how I leveraged myself by way of example I know. That I am sharpest in the morning. My ideas flow most easily in the morning. If I sit down to write, the words come easier in the morning. I feel like I make better connections in the morning. I'm just sharper. And that's me. Some people are really sharp late at night. Some people are sharp after lunch. Whatever the case is, know this for yourself. And then start to structure your day around that. So because I knew that I was sharpest in the morning, I decided that when I was going to write my book, I would just write for the first hour or two of every morning. That was it. No meeting scheduled between nine and 11, or at least nine to 10. And that way, I knew every day I could chip away at this thing a little bit and I would utilize the part of me that was going to be best suited to write this book. I would just move the ball a little bit. And, you know, as I'm talking about this, I'm reminded of how when I would go to readings to see authors read and speak, somebody would always raise their hand and they'd ask for their specific writing habits. And you know, the writer would say, Well, uh, you know, what I do is I get up and I get a fresh cup of coffee and I go to my favorite coffee shop and I, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I've always found that to be a completely useless piece of information because everybody is going to function differently. Just because, I don't know, Malcolm Gladwell uh, writes best uh, at 10 30 p.m. Uh, at a bar. I, I don't know if that's how Malcolm Gladwell writes, but. That doesn't mean that it's going to be good for you. So, who cares what other people think? Instead, just think when are you most productive? How can you carve that time out of your day and dedicate it to this project? Now, you're leveraging yourself. Now, related, notice that what I did not do was clear out days, weeks, months to write this book. Frankly, I couldn't do that because I didn't have the time because I'm busy and you're busy and we're all busy. So we're talking about how to fit a big project into a busy life. But it's also because if I did that, I don't think that I would actually accomplish all that much anyway, because after an hour or two of me doing like concentrated writing, creative work, I'm kind of done. Uh, I'm I'm a little burned out. I generally what I do is I like to complete like a big thought. So maybe I would work on one section of the book, or if I'm being really ambitious, try to get through a rough draft of a first chapter of the book, but something, something where my brain is starting and thinking through how do I get from here to there and then figure out the puzzle of writing my way from this starting point to that ending point. And then my brain is done. My brain is like, good job. Uh, This felt like a satisfying arc for my day, and I don't want to think about this again until tomorrow. So, because I know that, I'm not going to push myself. Again, you're leveraging yourself, but I think that, frankly, that's probably how most people are. And you don't have the time to set aside to write a whole book in a month all the time anyway. So, don't be overwhelmed. Don't say, because I don't have the time to do this big project, I will not do this big project. Because if you put it off, you will put it off forever. I guarantee it. You know why? Because of something called Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law says that work expands to fit the time allowed, which means that whatever work you have is going to expand to fit all the time that you have. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at what moment you are in your life. It doesn't matter how much work you have. I guarantee that your calendar is going to feel full of the work that you are doing work expands to fit the time allowed. It's true. It just does, which means that we got to figure out how to compress, how to compress our days so that we're working more efficiently and we're fitting more in because we will never ever have that moment where we say, ah, I have time, all this free time. Finally, I can write this book because I just, I have three hours free every day. You're never going to have that Parkinson's law. You're never going to have it. So what do we do? We break a big project up into lots of little projects. That's the only way to do it. Because this book is a big project, but it's not really. It's a series of little projects. You can think about it that every chapter is a project, or you can think about it that every section in the chapter is a project. And what do I mean by section? Well, it's however you structure your book. But oftentimes, nonfiction books or novels, this the chapters are, you know, they're broken down into there's a kind of complete thought and then there's a little line break, and then it starts another one. So that's a section. Sometimes it's 500 words. Sometimes it's a 1,000. Sometimes it's more. But these are all tiny little projects. What I did when I leveraged myself was that I devoted an hour every day to basically taking care of one of these little projects. And I knew that over time, if I kept going, I would complete the big project. This way, we also don't feel overwhelmed, because writing a book is overwhelming. I guarantee it. You basically are marrying a giant idea for a year or two or more. It is a commitment. So you better love it and you better be in it. And therefore, the only way to really do that is to move through it thinking about all the little things that you're accomplishing along the way. Also, the benefit of thinking about it in terms of little projects is that you get these nice little rewards. You get to celebrate, oh, I finished this thing today. My goal this week was to finish this chapter, and I did it. Hooray for me. I should go get some ice cream. Whatever it is, you want to reward yourself. Break it up into little projects. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship, you know that. No, the hire that got away, someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, LinkedIn.com/slash/helpwanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it now. Next step how do you know exactly what you're writing? You know, everyone says they have a book in them, but once you start sitting down to write that book, turns out it's really hard, and you don't exactly have all the material at the ready. That is why I suggest that if you want to write a book, before you even sit down and do some of the things that I just described, start to just work out material. Work out material in your own life. Start to jot down ideas. Start to sketch out where this would go. If it's a nonfiction book like mine, I, I mine was a, a kind of career-oriented and life-oriented book about how to navigate change. Well, what I had done is over years, I started to think about, oh, you know, that story or this person that I interviewed or this thing that I experienced, that's a really interesting insight and I bet would make a good chapter or a good part of a chapter or something. And I just started to store all this stuff away. So I had a, I had a ton of notes and I had a lot of material. I started to work these things out, sometimes on page, sometimes in, in other formats, uh, because there's other work that maybe you're doing maybe other creative work. Maybe you've got a blog. I I have a friend named Nir Ayal who is a best-selling author, and he says that he likes to blog his book, which is to say he's got a blog, and he basically works out the next book by writing a ton of little blog posts. And so by the time it's time to sit down and actually put together a book, he's got a lot of source material that he can start from and rework and expand upon. But even if you're not writing or podcasting or tweeting or whatever... You can still just take notes, have a journal, start to build out that material base so that when you're actually ready to sit down to write six months, a year, many years after you started to think about it, you have the material. And now it's not just about creating something out of nothing, but rather organizing ideas that you already have that makes things go so much faster. I spent about five years thinking about my book and collecting ideas for my book before I ever sat down to try to write a book. And that is how I did it in nine months because I wrote for nine months, but I didn't have to come up with ideas for just nine months. I did that for five years. Okay, so you've got your ideas and you've structured your time and you're thinking about the little tiny projects that you're doing. Now, here's a big thing that you may not have ever thought about until you're actually going to write a book, which is, how do you structure a book? (laughs) Like, It's a big project. A lot of words. It could be like like 75,000 words in this book that you're going to write. And it is going to feel really easy to get lost in that giant project. I mean, sometimes you'll write a thousand-word essay, you'll feel lost in the middle of it. Now try to imagine structuring something in a way in which You are going to take a reader from start to finish. It's going to feel coherent. It's going to feel like it builds upon itself, whether, again, it's a fictional story or it's a nonfiction book or it's an advice book where you're walking people through something. There has to be an arc to this. There has to be a logical flow that readers are going to go on. What is it? I will tell you something from personal experience. You probably won't know the answer to that until you start writing. So, uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit, this book that I told you about, "Build for Tomorrow," it didn't start as a book called "Build for Tomorrow." It started as a proposal for a book that I wrote, that then my agent shopped to different publishers, and that book was called "You Come from the Future." It was. It was also. It was the same subject. It was a book about how to navigate uh, changes in your life and career, but. I had a different title and I had a different idea of how to structure the book. I imagined that the first half of the book would be about why people fear change and the second half of the book would be about how people overcome that fear. And My editor at Penguin Random House, a guy named Matthew Benjamin, he acquired the book. So the way that it works in traditional publishing is that uh, an agent sends a proposal out to a lot of different publishers. And then those publishers, if there are hopefully more than one interested, then they'll make offers uh, for how much they want to buy the book for. And maybe there's a bidding war. In my case, there were three publishers that were bidding, which was awesome. And uh, then you pick one, usually the one that offered you the most money. And that is then your publisher. Now, this is not the only way to do it. You could do a hybrid publishing model where you go to a company like, for example, Scribe Publishing, which uh, you can pay. To produce your book for you, they'll assign you a ghostwriter and you will talk to the ghostwriter and that person will put together the book and then Scribe will package it all up and all that stuff. Uh, or you could just self publish the book and that's where you just do the whole thing on yourself and you can self publish it on Amazon or wherever. So there are lots of different ways to do this. But in my case, I did this traditional route, which means that I produced a proposal and then somebody bought the proposal and then I talked to my editor, Matthew, and the ver- <laughs> in the very first conversation, he told me that the structure for my book made no sense. <laughs> he just had purchased this thing. But he, you know, he he just felt like I would figure it out. And that's what he told me. He said, look, the structure that you have doesn't really work. You don't want to do this book in, in halves. A big part of the reason is because people don't want to spend a whole half of a book trying to understand why they fear change if what they want is the answer to how to navigate it, how to how to get over it. You don't want to put that all in the back half of the book. So how are you going to actually move people through this concept in a more linear way? And I didn't know the answer to that. And he said, doesn't matter. Here's what you're going to do. Write the first four chapters and then just send them to me. And I said, great, I can do that. So that's what I did. I wrote the first four chapters and I sent them to Matthew and he read them. And then we got on the phone and he said, okay, interesting start, but here's a problem. The problem is that you aren't really writing a book right now. What you're writing are individual magazine articles, right? Like like every chapter was its own completely self-contained idea. And sometimes they even had different styles of writing in them. And right, like one I was writing kind of funny and fast, and another one was a little denser and more informative. And he said these things don't blend together. They don't feel like one naturally leads to the next. Why is chapter one before chapter two? They don't seem to have a logical order to them. And I said, oh, you're right. And he said, so spend some time trying to think through how your ideas are going to build. How one chapter is going to lead to the next. And maybe the way to do that is that you're going to need to come up with an organizing principle, a number of sections of the book in which the sections also build upon themselves so that section one leads naturally to the idea of section two. I thought to myself, what am I supposed to do? And now keep in mind, I write for a living. This is what I do. But what I realized is that writing a book is unlike anything else that you do. So what I know how to do is write magazine articles and edit magazines. And now I was discovering that this wasn't a fully transferable skill set, which is fine. Great. Kind of exciting, actually, because now I just need to figure out how do I do this new thing? And so here's what I did. I started to open up books that were very successful in my genre. I have these kind of business self-development books. And I started to look at how the authors had structured the books. And I was fully prepared, and you should be fully prepared, to steal somebody's structure. You're not stealing their ideas. We would never do that. You're not stealing their writing. We would never do that. But stealing a structure, the kind of blueprint for the book, that is totally stealable. And here's where I stole mine from. I stole mine from a book called Essentialism by Greg McEwan, I was flipping through essentialism and I realized that essentialism was broken down into four sections. And each section had four chapters in it. And those sections all in his book, Essentialism, which is about how to identify the essential things in your work and then get rid of everything else, those sections helped people move through and build upon the concept of essentialism. So he started at the very ground level, uh, where people are right now, as they're trying to figure out what is actually essential to their work, and they're doing a lot of things that are not essential, and then grows over time. Each chapter in that first section helps people better understand where they are, and then we're going to move from there. And I thought, ah, what would happen if I stole that? Just the idea of the four sections and and four chapters uh, in each section, and then. What would my version of that be? And I started to think through, what is the big idea that I have? I have lots of little ideas, and I need to attach them together to a big idea. Eventually, I realized there was this story that I had been telling people, and the story was that change happens in four phases, panic, adaptation, new normal, and wouldn't go back. People really liked that story. I I would use that story in meetings, and I would use that story on stage. And then I realized, wait a second, that is a four-section story. What would happen if my book adopted that as its organizing principle, where every section is one of those phases of change? Section one is now panic. Section two is now adaptation, and so on. And then what if I took all the little ideas that I had, all the exercises and insights about why people fear change or what it takes to overcome change and all the different ways in which you can future-proof yourself, and I started to arrange them in these sections. Could I make four sections with four chapters in each? The answer was, I could. And once I did that, I realized, ah, now my ideas can build upon themselves. I have to make sure that at the end of one chapter, I am leading into what's going to come next. And I'm being really explicit with my reader about how one is transitioning to the other. So when you end one section, it's going to tee up what's coming next. And it's going to explain to you how the thing that you just learned is going to be relevant to the thing that you're going to learn next. Once I started to do that, the book started to fall in place. Then I had my structure. Now, if you're writing a novel, it's going to be different, obviously, but not that different because you're still going to have a lot of Characters, a lot of scenes. You're going to have to figure out how these people are going to move through the world that you're creating. You're going to have to figure out if you want a structure that is a little more complicated. Maybe you're going to jump around in time. Whatever it is, you need to step back and realize that the way you tell your story, the way you lay out your information, is just as important as the story or the information itself. You will not know that until you start going. So start and then pause and think am i bringing my reader along the journey that they deserve and then revise and now finally let's talk about marketing because here's the thing you can write a great book and it doesn't mean that people are going to read it just because it's great i i hate to tell you that but it is very true so you need to know how to market this book and i spent years preparing to market the book. Here's what incredibly smart authors will tell you. It's what I heard and it is what I learned. The marketing for the book starts the second that you start writing the book. How? Because I will tell you something. Marketing a book is really hard. You're going to need all the people that you can on your side. You're going to need audience who's going to care about it. You're going to need allies who are going to amplify it. Let's talk about each briefly. So. We got audience. Use social media, build that audience, and also bring people along on the process. Here is something mind-blowing that I learned by talking to a woman who works with Dwayne The Rock Johnson about how they have utilized his social media. He has he has like hundreds of millions of followers across all platforms. It's crazy. And I asked what was the single most important lesson that they have learned about how to utilize that social media to drive business? And the answer is, you have to give people the feeling like they are along the journey with you in the creation of any new product. So when The Rock had a tequila release, for example, they didn't just spring that news on their audience. No, he talked about it for a long time, all the ways in which he was developing the tequila and the trip that he took to the agave fields and the whatever, whatever, whatever. And that way, people feel like by the time the product actually comes out, they have been a part of it. And you're not selling them something. You're celebrating with them because it's finally out. I did the same thing with my book. I started to post everything that happened. I I, I posted me writing the first chapter and talking about how nervous I was. I I posted a picture of me hitting send when I sent the first draft to my editor. I was constantly bringing people along so that by the time the book actually came out, my social media audience was saying things like, it's finally here. I've been waiting for this. That's amazing. Then we got to talk about allies, people who are in your corner, who are ready to support you. Here's what I've done. For years, I keep a spreadsheet that spreadsheet is called Good Contacts. Everybody who I meet who, for over the last number of years, who I thought, you know, this person could be useful in my book journey because maybe they'll give me some advice or maybe they'll help me promote it or they have a big podcast or whatever. If I met them, if I emailed them, if I did anything, if we had any nice interaction, I put them in that spreadsheet. And then when the time came, I went back to those people and I asked them for either the favor of amplifying my book, or I just told them about my book and why I thought it would be relevant to them. Now, here's what's really important. You don't meet somebody and then uh, put them in a spreadsheet and then two years later, email them and ask them to buy or promote your book. They're not going to care. Instead, what you got to do is maintain good relationships. (laughs) It's so important. So when those people would go into my spreadsheet, I would also make sure that I'm staying in regular contact with them, that maybe every three or six months, I would drop those people a line and just say, hey, how's it going? Or I saw this thing. Or I would follow them on social media and engage with them to make sure that we're building a real relationship so that by the time it comes to actually promote, I have people who are on my side. And I didn't just do this with individuals. I did it with any organization that I thought could be really useful. give you one example. When my book came out, I got to have a giant image of that book on a billboard in Times Square. And I took a photo in front of that billboard. And a lot of people saw that. And a lot of people thought that was very impressive. And uh, it was impressive. I was very pleased with it. But it wasn't just out of nowhere. And it wasn't just because I put a book out into the world and somebody was like, this is so good that we have to put it on a billboard in Times Square. No. Instead, what happened was that NASDAQ has a billboard in Times Square. And years ago, NASDAQ asked If I would help them with a project and I said, yes, happily, why that project was fine and fun, but also because I just wanted that good relationship. And then I fostered that relationship over the next couple of years. I would check in on that relationship. And I knew that when it came time for me to release my book, I was going to ask those people if I could put that book up on the billboard in Times Square because I had seen them do it for other authors. And wouldn't you know it? They said yes. Yes. I'm very fortunate because I had that initial connection. But I'm telling you that you have someone. You have some organization. Maybe it's a community organization. Maybe it's a company. Whatever it is, those are people who you want to start now building those relationships so that by the time your book is out, they aren't just there to help you. They are excited to help you. And that is how you write a book. It ain't easy but it is possible. And it just takes a lot of planning and doing and writing. And then somebody else will do the reading. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lapin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. Alright, well, talk to you soon.